Amen. Well, we're going to look at 2 Corinthians chapter 8 and uh, most of chapter 9. And really what we're going to do is sort of just outline it for the sake of time. If you've been around ICA for uh, these years, you know that finances is just not one of my subjects. I'm not comfortable with it. Uh, It's just, you know, some people are able to do it really easily. And others, just we have to kind of work through it. And so I sat um, for these weeks. I've just been really going over 2 Corinthians chapter 8 and 9. And finally I felt what God wanted me to do is just to share with you all that's there. But again, in a very uh, kind of bird's eye view concept. And then towards the end... Reveal to you perhaps some of the blessings that God has brought that very few in the congregation know about. Um, 2 Corinthians 8 and 9 is the largest complete passage on the concept of giving in the Bible. Someone said every great theme of Scripture will be found to be taken up exhaustively in one central passage. And that is this passage. It is the one great exhaustive passage on the area of giving. In it, Paul is uh, writing to the Corinthians, to the province of Achaia, uh, the the, the historians and so on, and they tell us that more than likely he's writing um, uh, from, uh, uh, from, from a place in the north, um, Macedonia, particularly from the city of Philippi. And uh, what he's doing is this. He's writing to the Corinthians from the north, from uh, Macedonia, and he's talking to them in this chapter about an offering that is being taken up, has been spoken of for quite some time, that was to go to Jerusalem, to the believers in Jerusalem. So Paul is writing uh, in regards to this, uh, to this matter. We're going to begin at verse 1 from uh, chapter 8. And we're going to look at a pattern. I, there's a pattern inside of this passage on this issue. It's actually an extensive list, per se, that one can make. And um, this pattern begins where, by nature, it's, and, in the, and, in the, and, in, and in the context of the things of God, should begin. It begins with God. Would you please uh, just look at the first chapter there. Excuse me, the first verse in chapter 8. And now, brethren, we want you to know about the grace that God has given the Macedonian church. The grace that God has given the Macedonian church. It begins not with the Macedonians, but with God. He is crediting God, not human effort. And that's important. Because ultimately, a child of God should be moved by the Spirit of God. God grants the grace. God 
working through these believers in Macedonia. And he is working through them on the, on the next point. The next thing that we see is despite their circumstances. As I said, Macedonia is uh, in uh, the province, the Roman province of Greece, it's in the north, and it was considered a very impoverished um, province. And uh, whether it was impoverished for that moment, or whether it was just because of its lack of agriculture, it was impoverished enough that he mentions it to us in verse 2. He says, out of the... out of, most, out of the most severe trial, their overflowing joy and their extreme poverty welled up in rich generosity. Severe trial and extreme poverty. Despite their circumstance, God still works through these believers. Grants them grace for them to be gracious to others. Now, he begins in, at this point to portray the pattern of a giving heart. And he begins in verse 3 by saying that, uh, number one, they first gave themselves and in their abilities. Verse, uh, go to uh, verse 3. Verse 3 it says, For I testify that they gave as much as they were able, and even beyond their ability, entirely on their own. They gave, it says, in their ability, not beyond, not under. But yet Paul adds to that, that there was sacrifice. Though they did not have much Within it, there was sacrifice. They gave in their abilities. They asked to be participants. Verse 4. It wasn't that Paul had to uh, convince them. That's why he begins in verse 1 by saying that it was God who granted them grace. In verse 4 he says that they asked to be participants. They urgently pleaded with us for the privilege of sharing in this service to the saints. They saw the need and did not look away. They wanted to be a part of what was taking place to help the believers in Jerusalem. And the next step that they then take after Proving that they could give within their abilities, beyond their abilities, after saying, we want to participate, the first step that they took is that they gave themselves. Verse 5. It's an interesting little passage here, and um, I'll try to draw it out. And they did not do as we expected. But they gave themselves first to the Lord, and then to us, in keeping with God's will. They presented themselves as sacrifices to God. Now there, your mind should immediately sort of just flow, your, flow to Romans chapter 12. Um, 
Paul is writing 2 Corinthians, uh, the, uh, the folks uh, in the different uh, uh, datings put it about uh, 56 A.D. And Paul is going to explain a thought. This, this, this that was put in his heart by God, he's going to develop it even more when he writes to the Romans just a year later. They presented themselves as sacrifices to God. And when he finishes in this verse, he says, in keeping with God's will. In keeping with God's will. Now if you can uh, just um, drop back a few pages to Romans chapter 12, we'll see what it is that he then develops a little more when he writes to the Romans just a year later. In chapter 12 verse 1 of the book of Romans he says this, Therefore, I urge you brothers, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as living sacrifices, holy, pleasing to God, which is your spiritual worship. Do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and prove what God's will is, which is good, pleasing, perfect will. To prove His will by presenting oneself as a living sacrifice. It is the first step in anyone considering the idea that nothing that I have is mine. For even I myself belong to God. Uh, whenever you deal with the passage in Romans, you have to underline the fact that it's a living sacrifice. And any sacrifice that is living, placed upon an altar, will in time crawl off. And that's why it says that we are to present ourselves and the idea is to do it over and over and over again. In verse 7, we then are asked to do it with excellence. In verse 7, back to 2 Corinthians 8, He pleased to them to do it in a rightly manner. Verse 7 says the following, But just as you excel in everything, in faith, in speech, in knowledge, in complete earnestness, and in your love for us, see that you also excel in this grace of giving. So we are asked to do it with excellence, not half-heartedly, consistent with all other areas of their Christian life. He says, you're good at everything else, you need to be as excellent in the area of giving. And then, to finish the pattern, he gives an example. Actually, he gives two examples. One has been a running example, and will continue to be a running example in the two chapters. And the other one, he brings right out to the forefront. He says, there needs to be self-denial. Verses uh, 8 and 9 are the ones in which we find when he refers to, I am not commanding you, he says. But I want to test the sincerity of your love by comparing it with the earnestness of others. For you know, the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, 
that though he was rich, yet for your sake he became poor, so that you through his poverty might become rich. And verse 8, he finishes by the love, it says, comparing it with the earnest of others. And the others doesn't stop with Jesus. He's been talking to them about the Macedonians, and so will we in a few minutes. But he says, you must deny yourself. There has got to be self-denial when it comes to the aspect of giving. And he then says, as seen in Christ, who being rich, Philippians 2 tells us, he put all of that aside and emptied himself in order that you may become rich. So, a pattern is set forth. And the pattern has to have a purpose. And the purpose is seen for us in the next few verses. A giving heart has to have a pattern. A giving heart has to have a purpose. In verses 10 through 15, it's about equality. It's all about equality. In, uh, in, the ver- in this um, NIV, twice he mentions the idea of equality. But um, it is based... On what one has. I would like to just pick up in the reading um, with verse 11. Now finish the work so that your eager willingness to do it may be matched by your, com- by your completion of it. According to your means. For if the willingness is there, the gift is acceptable according to what one has. Not according to what he does not have. Our desire is not that others might be relieved while you are hard pressed, but that there might be equality. At the present time, your plenty will supply what they need, so that in turn, their plenty will supply what you need. Then there will be equality. As it is written, He that gathereth much did not have too much, and he that gathereth little did not have too little. The purpose was equality. He was trying to say to them that there ought not to be a difference when there are other brothers who were having a difficulty. So, there was purpose. Now, there was a procedure to be followed. Any time. And I appreciate this in Paul because he actually does approach it from a very human perspective. Folks, whenever somebody is talking to us about money, about giving, hey, I do too. The first thing we do is we do this. Ain't nobody sticking their hands in my pocket. You know, I, I, you know you, we kind of protect ourselves. And we should. May I say that? And we should. Because there are many who would want us to enter into their endeavors. And maybe that's not of God. Here's what Paul says that should be done in regards to these procedures. In verse 20 and 21, he simply states that there has to be transparency and responsibility. We must be transparent and we must be responsible. Look at verse 20 and 21. It says here, We want to avoid any criticism of any way we administer this liberal, by the way, liberal there meaning generous, this liberal gift 
For we are taking pains to do what is right, not only in the eyes of the Lord, but also in the eyes of men. So he is saying to them that they must proceed transparently and responsibly. And why the whole two chapters? Well, the procedure includes preparation. That is, in chapter 9, verses 3 and 5, perhaps we see it the best and the clearest. Listen to what he says to them in verse 3 and verse 5 of chapter 9. Verse 3 begins by saying, But I am sending the brothers in order that our boasting about you in this matter should not prove hollow, but that you may be ready. As I said, you would be. For in Macedonia, for if any Macedonian come with me and find you unprepared, we, not to say anything about you, would be ashamed of having been so confident. So I thought it necessary to urge the brothers to visit you in advance and finish arrangements for the generous gift you have promised. So, in those procedures, we are not only to be transparent, we're not only to be responsible, but we're to prepare. Well, we're sort of come to the part where I want to talk to you about the Macedonians. Uh, as you know, when you walked in, you were given your bulletin and you found a lot of inserts in it this week, more than we normally have with what's coming uh, for us. Um, so let's, let's just talk for a little bit about the Macedonians, our Macedonians, and give some information that uh, might be of surprise to some. Up to this point, in, this in the book of uh, 2 Corinthians, Paul has sought to inform the Corinthians of the solidarity of the Macedonians and the example they have been. And he is urging them to show um, that they have learned from them. In that process, Paul says that he boasts to the Macedonians about the Corinthians, saying, they're a good church. They're good folk. Often I am asked, especially from our churches in the U.S. who have been part of our ministry for 25 years, always working, of course, in uh, Spanish context. Uh, uh, It's amazing how how they must read our letters and not understand. Because from time to time, somebody will very surprisingly say, wait a minute, you mean that the church that right now you're pastoring in in Spain is in English? It's like they just now connect. And I get a chance to boast about our expats, about the community I've come to know and love that I didn't know existed for 16 years while I was living just on the other side of that mountain. I didn't even know there were all these expats living on this side. So I understand a little bit what he means when he says that he boasts to the Macedonians about the Corinthians. Let me talk to you about the modern day Macedonians who have gone before you, who have gone ahead of you, 
and most of you didn't even know about it. You know, starting a church is not hanging a shingle and say, now we have a church. It's amazing how many times in conversations I realize people think it's just put out a sign and, and then you got church. Well, first of all, you have no idea what a church is if that's what you think. A church isn't a building, it's not even a group, it's a community. And building community is difficult. And building community among a group of people who, I can't keep up with your schedules, man. You guys are like, you're coming and going all the time. There's a few of you that actually live here. <laughs> but very few. I mean, I, I can never keep up. There's some of you I call and, and, and the first thing I ask you is, where are you? You know, what part of the world are you now? Community is difficult in a transient society like the one we have. Hanging out a shingle doesn't make a church. When we hung the shingle in 2004, uh, a minister who used to be in this area said to me, you're wasting your time. It won't work. And they don't deserve you. And I kid you not, he said those things to me. I saw him yesterday. We had this big meeting down in uh, the south, uh, in Murcia. Lorca, remember Lorca, the earthquake? Uh, and you know, I'm, I'm still part of the Evangelical Council in Murcia. I'm still on the board. And, and so we had this big meeting down there. And it was all for pastors from the region. And he was there. And... Um, he said, are you still in Torre Vieja? I said, yeah. Are you still with the English-speaking church? I said, yeah. And you could just see the, the surprised look on his face. It's like, really? You're still there all these years? You know, they haven't walked out on you? You haven't walked out on them? Guess what I had a chance to? I had a little bit of a chance to boast about my Corinthians. And said, hey, no, I don't know what you were talking about. I said, they're the loveliest people. I'm learning a lot about them. And they're teaching me how to grow old gracefully. How to prepare. <laughs> Let me talk to you a little bit about Macedonians. When we hung that shingle in this building, most people didn't know what we stepped into. That, I mean, the church, we told them, I don't think the church registered. Especially the fact that we had to pay our rent a year in advance. That was 21,600 euros. In order to save uh, 12, uh, let's see, 12, 2400. In order to save 2400, we had to pay the whole year in advance. And we thought, you know, anything we can do to save works. Well, when push came to shove, all we had was 8,000 euros. But we still moved in here, didn't we? And we didn't put any burden on anyone. We didn't make anyone do anything. You see, what we did is, 
we called Macedonia. And we said, can you help us? And before we knew it, we received a loan for 13,600 euros. So far, you're still not happy. I know that. We're getting there. Relax. Bear with me. Now, the council knew we were doing this. And the council kept asking me, how are we ever going to pay that back? Plus, be able to save up our next year's rent. Because, you know, our contract says that on October 31st, November 1st, we got to pay next year's. And I just said to them, I don't know, guys. I really don't know. And trust me, they looked at me strange. But I said, I know whose hand I'm holding. Let's just keep going. Let's just keep walking. For now, at least we have the money. We can pay. We can move in. As we concluded, we had to move from where we were. And I'm sure you agree that we did. Okay, so now we have a 3,600 euro loan and a person and I'll just say that who said to me you won't last six months and I know that person has to this day is just standing on the outside waiting for us to fail for us to take off the shingle but you know what Here's what sometimes people don't understand. I'm not following men. I really am not following men. And we would not have taken the step had we not known in our heart that this was of God. And I have had people in 25 years of ministry, trust me, that's not the first time someone's sitting on the sideline waiting for us to fail. But even then, I am convinced of this. If ICA fails, we'd have to say God failed. That's a sobering thought. Because up to this point, all the decisions that the council has made, we've made them really seeking God and asking God, is this what you want for us? Now, I want to keep telling you about the Macedonians that you don't know about. For see, the Macedonians have come from two different countries and five different states from the United States. And that 13,600 euro loan, that right now you're wondering, how are we going to do that? You see, they paid it. Somebody else came and paid our debt. So, one Macedonian stepped out and said, you need the money, you need it now, here it is. Just, just go. I said, well, I'm not sure when we're going to pay you. And he says, alright, whatever. And what's the interest? Zero. I said, well, so far I like that loan. Right? Zero percent interest, and we can take as long as we want to pay it. But I said, no. To myself, I said, I said, God, if this is of you, I want this paid. I would love to have this paid by summer's time. No later then. And then I just sort of let people know what was going on. People that I know know that it's not about hanging a shingle. 
not about hanging. You don't start a church by just hanging a shingle. Well, Macedonians have come and have shown to us what it means to give. They rose up to help us and they made the difference. Folks, that was humbling to me. When we were still in the month of August and I was still thinking and praying about it, we were still 5,000 American dollars behind. And I thought, Lord, August is about to finish. And I had already talked to my wife and uh, do whatever it was going to take for that loan to be paid. Because I felt I needed to honor that commitment to the man, the ministry, really, that lent us that. And before August was finished, I got an email. And the email said this. I just received another check. Your loan is paid in full. And I thought, you know, only God knows to bring me right to the edge. And I said, wow. I told Jack, I said, Jack, it got paid. Jack just said, praise the Lord. What can we say? I said, how can we tell our people? Or maybe the question was, when do we tell our people that they've not been rowing by themselves? There have been others rowing with you. But they don't have to row all the time. They're here to help us get going, get started, get on our way. But we're to do the rest. That's our responsibility. Transparency, responsibility. Now, I look about those folk who helped us. They're looking at us. They were an answer to prayer. And I know this from Scripture. Their giving has made them rich. That's what the Bible says. Their giving made them rich. Because you see, it says in Luke, for example, give and it will be given to you. They will pour into your lap a good measure. By the way, the they are people. Men. Into your lap, good measure, pressed down, shaken together and running over. For by your standard of measure, it will be measured to you in return. And I do know some of those people. Because, you know, they, they let you know. And I know God has since made them rich. Things have happened into their lives. They've sown and they reaped. Now it's our turn. We have um, made it so that, number one, we can prepare. We've been mentioning um, the um, planned giving day. We are now provided you with an envelope. We provided you with information so that you know where we are. A year ago, December, oh, this last December, we were 8,000 euros into a 21,600 challenge. Now, you know what? We don't have to pay it. We don't have to pay in advance. 
the rent. We can pay it monthly, but then it's going to cost us more. And I'd like to use God's money a little more um, wisely. So you have, I think, the information that you need about our rent. And we need, we need a wall here. We need to close in this so that we don't waste air, air conditioning and, and heating. We need, we need a foyer to, to close that off. Upstairs, we need to make the Sunday school room bigger. We need to knock down a wall and build a smaller wall. And it's up to you guys if you want to stay on cue for the bathroom. If you're okay with the cue for the bathroom, fine. If you're not okay, then we need to build another bathroom back there. We brought people in this week and they told me basically where they think it should go and so on. And, and they gave us an idea of what it's going to cost us for material. Just material. You know why? All that's there is just material. Because those Macedonians over there are coming in October. October 20th, we have a group coming from one of the churches. And they're coming to help us build. Now, I know what you're thinking. How do we know we're going to get it to build? And my next question is, you mean you're looking at the glass half empty? Because I always see it half full. I mean, it just makes no sense that we mismanage God's resources. So we have to put a foyer there. So they're coming and they're going to help us build. And we'll have a lot of fun building. And they're going to put all the labor. It's up to us if we want to take advantage of that kind of labor. People who are very expert. I've worked with them in Cuba. I've seen them do miracles down there without any material. We're in Europe. We can get them anything they want. So whatever miracles they've done there, they can triple here. So if we want a bathroom, that's going to be up to us. Because they'll put our bathroom up in three days. I, I know they can so you have information and we've given, we're giving you the opportunity to do it according to your means. So if you can't jump on what we're doing right now because of your circumstance, that's fine. You can pledge. And you know pledging just simply says, this is what I think God wants me to give and I'll prepare to give it when I have it. And that's fine for us because we're going to take that as your word that's between you and God and unless something else happens we'll just see it as though it's here so we'll go outside of our circle and, and get that money in advance knowing that we can pay it back and so that's why you have the ability there to pledge well I've explained to you what the Macedonians have done and how I am sure today they're better off for it now Read with me, please, verse 6 through 11. Chapter 9, verses 6 through 11. Well, we read to us this morning. And it says this, remember this. 2 Corinthians 9, verse 6. Remember this. Whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. Whoever sows generously will also reap generously each man should give that each man should give what he has decided in his heart to give 
not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. And God is able to make all grace abound to you, so that in all things, at all times, having all that you need, you will abound in every good work. For as it is written, He has, he has scattered abroad His gifts to the poor, His righteousness endures forever. Verse 10. Now he who supplies the seed to the sower and bread for food. Now the supplier is God, so you understand the subject. Will also supply and increase your store of seed and will enlarge the harvest of your righteousness. You will be made rich in every way so that you can be generous on every occasion. And through us, your generosity will result in thanksgiving to God. So, just a few thoughts. Don't give grudgingly, but cheerfully. God is able to take care of you and be an answer to prayer. As often as we ask for answers of prayer, be an answer to prayer. And our job will be, as a church council, to be transparent, to be responsible, and to give you the opportunity to prepare. And we'll continue to build the church. First, in the hearts of men and women. And we'll try to make the facilities useful and practical for the sake of the ministry. I leave you with those thoughts in 2 Corinthians chapter 8 and 9. And I leave you to what God chooses to do in your heart in this regard. But may I remind you, we are where we are because of the Macedonians. And we thank God for them. Alright, well with that in mind, May we just stand as we pray and close our service.